0: Welcome to the association advisor podcast. We're glad you've joined us for a conversation around best practices, news and leadership strategies for association professionals. I'm Kelly Clark. And I'm Katie Brown. Have you heard of a member
1: data platform? It's a software hub that offers an association, a 360 degree view of a member or customer by breaking down silos between individual data platforms, such as an email marketing program or an e-commerce account. A member data platform can help your association find out how engaged members are by showing a map of all the different ways they interact with your resources.
0: At this month's ASAE Tech Show, we spoke with Jeff Horn and Juan Silva of Wicked, creators of the world's first member data platform. Jeff and Juan led us through how an MDP works and how it can increase operational efficiencies for your association. We learned how an MDP can help you trust your data more, and more importantly, use your data more often to make business decisions that will further your mission and grow your influence. We're excited to share this conversation with you, but first, a message from our sponsor, Naylor Association Solutions.
1: Association Advisor is a newsletter, website, magazine, and podcast that reaches more than 13,000 association professionals each month. Place your business's message and branding next to features about technology, leadership, events, communication, and more. Half of our audience manages an annual budget of $250,000 or higher. They'll see or hear your business as they refer to the advisor for reliable features about what's happening now and next in the association community. Your business belongs in this community too. Go to bit.ly forward slash advisor media kit for more information. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash advisor
0: media kit. Juan Silva is the chief technology officer of Wicket, the world's first member data platform. His background is balanced between technical ability, academic experience, business acumen, and excellent interpersonal and communication skills. As CTO of two software startups over five years, he has been responsible for providing sound technical leadership, overseeing software architecture, and leading development teams. As a data scientist and artificial intelligence researcher, Juan has experience with data analysis techniques, including data cleaning, cleaning, statistical analysis, and data visualization. He has worked as a freelancer and consultant on a wide variety of tech projects and is passionate about research and development while bringing the latest research trends and technologies into engineering operations to deliver quality usable products and services
1: jeff horn is the co-founder and ceo of wicket the world's first member data platform Wicket is membership software that is built to integrate with best in class software to empower associations to choose the tools that best meet their unique needs. It breaks down data silos, giving member-driven organizations flexibility to use the world's best software by creating and sharing a persistent record. In addition to Wicket, Jeff founded Ottawa-based Industrial in 2000 with a focus on delivering smart, modern digital solutions for the nonprofit sector. A digital workshop, The company designs and builds websites and web applications. With a staff of experts spanning user research, user experience design, and CMS development, the company is considered a leading provider of digital solutions to the nonprofit industry.
0: Well, thank you, Juan and Jeff, for being with us today. To start out with, can you tell us more about member and customer data platforms and how associations use them what they can do for us?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the you know the term member data platform is is pretty new um, within the association market you know, for sure. And you know at Wicket, we're you know we're the world's first member data platform. And and the model is really built off of the customer data platform. Um, CDPs um, exist in the marketing technology space because there's thousands of software systems for marketers to use, and customer data platforms were built to, essentially to break down data silos between all of that marketing software um, that's out there. And it does it by connecting and synchronizing profile data for a customer and really giving you that 360 degree view of a customer. So the member data platform and its concepts are very, very similar, right? And it's the best way to describe a member data platform is really to think about the problems it solves um, and really the, the primary problem the MDP um, looks to solve is breaking down data silos within an association. So an association typically um, has several software systems being used. Um, and this issue of data silos is pretty prevalent, right? So many associations will have they might have data in an event management system, in their email marketing system, in their website, in um, their AMS, in all these different systems. But they tend to not always be very well connected. So the, the place of the member data platform is to connect these tools together and break down the data silos and create this idea of a persistent member record, which can easily be shared to other systems. And it does so in you know some very specific technical ways. Yeah, from a technical perspective, I guess you can think
3: about it as a type of database that you know is gonna allow you to have a persistent, unified and accessible uh, member record. That, you is know, is gonna store identity information, transactional information, and uh, perhaps more importantly, uh, behavioral information, right? Uh, for associations, one of the key information gathering tasks that they have to do is to uh, find how engaged their members are, and a member data platform allows them
2: to do that.
0: What would be an example of some behavioral data that an MDP might capture?
2: Yeah, for sure. So the within an MDP, there's a concept of touch points. So touch points are basically those um, interactions uh, that are happening. So there's a, and you can kind of think of them usually as a more transactional in nature or behavioral in nature. Like a member renewing their membership is you think of naturally more as a transactional. Sure. Um, registering for an event might be more transactional. Yeah. Um, behavioral would be more things like if they access a specific resource on your website, if they
0: commented
2: in your online discussion forum and engaged in a conversation, or maybe they completed a course in your learning management system. Those would be behavioral based data points that in a member data platform are referred to as touch points. And really the, the key concept there is that those activities can be happening in other software systems and even though they're happening out of system the member data platform can still read them it still receives them as part of its integration capabilities so even though you're using let's say a, a learning management system um, that meets your needs if someone completed a course in that lms through the integration um, the member data platform would know it would write on that person record that at uh, the state and time this person did that activity
3: and it's always the goal of creating this rich profile of uh, member engagement data, right? The idea is that you get to know members at an individual level and this data flows in real time into your member data platform in a way that you can make this data accessible to the rest of the suite of applications that you have in your ecosystem, or you can tap directly into it uh, via BI tools as well.
1: I just think about it from a marketing perspective, being able to aggregate all of that information into one place. We talk so much in the marketing space about customization and personalizing experiences and really breaking down the member experience. So not everyone is living the same membership experience. Not everyone is in the same life cycle place in their membership uh, timeline to be able to go, oh, OK, when they were at our event, they were attending this educational track and they're accessing these resources. Knowing all of that information, I can likely put them into this kind of member type bucket and make it a more customized experience. I think that's what people are looking for. And it's hard when all of that is in different places. And your ability to even understand it sometimes from one platform to the other can kind of get a little muddy when when you're trying to break down, okay, they did this at the event, but what have they been doing on the website? And that's just a lot to try to crunch manually yeah, for sure. with that said how does the organization of all this data in one place affect and impact the association organizationally what are some of the outcomes yeah
2: yeah, it's a really good question. I think that there's there's, there's a few different ones, and I'll, so I'll give you a, a couple that come to mind. So the just the, the breaking down of data silos in itself uh, creates operational efficiencies, right? Like what we often see is organizations who are using several different software systems. There's often a lot of exporting and importing to get data in and out of those systems so that it has at least somewhat to take data into it. So that's just an operational inefficiency that a member data platform can help to solve by in real time keeping that data synchronized. But I think perhaps most importantly at a more strategic level, it's about trusting your data. And so with a member data platform, uh, we tend to talk a lot about fighting against data decay. So it's it's really just what that means. It's just the, the member record being persistent means that you can just trust it more. So now you have data that you have a lot of trust in that you know is really that source of truth of your membership. So what that then allows you to do is to right. use it to make more better informed business decisions, right? Um, when you trust that data, you can then report off of it and you can start using it um, as a more effective tool uh, for decision making. Mm-hmm.
3: At a broader level, I guess, the, the main goal is to support uh, and inform what is called people-based marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea is that you place a member at the center and you're trying to offer a very uh, unified experience for them across multiple channels right and uh, and you want to target them with uh, individual messaging that really conveys that you actually understand what their wants and needs are right. and uh, and again you know you go back to that
2: major goal of increasing engagement across your membership base mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think there's a you know i think it's an association's responsibility to really know their member Um, And a a member data platform, you know, when done correctly, can really help you to better know your member and then share that information with other systems to then deliver that more personalized experience to them.
0: Hmm. What does the basic process of implementing a member data platform look like? I mean, does it take a lot of time? Does Does it draw your staff away from their other essential duties? How long, on average, does it take to become proficient at an average MDP?
2: You know, I think it's a, the the size and scope and the timing of a project can can really vary depending on the use case of the member data platform. You know, in general, um, it is a it's a it's a you think of it as a project, right? It's not a point and click and go set this thing up and away you go. It's not that type of software because you know a lot of work needs to be done to really understand an associations data their membership structures and make sure that's being properly represented from a data perspective within the system um, and then with that comes the the need to um, seed the member data platform with data right and that data has to come from sometimes just a single source sometimes many sources and coming back to the, the type of deployment um, a member data platform can to be deployed to replace an association management software um, by using other best-in-class software around the member data platform or there's scenarios where it can sit beside an association management system to make it more easy for the member data to flow from the AMS out into other best-in-class software, so there's different situations, and um, the complexity of the deployment can can really differ depending on that. So obviously, getting the data into the platform is an important part of it, and then there's a whole um, step around configuring integrations and connecting in with other systems.
3: Yeah. So you know, picking up from what Jeff was saying. Uh, There is an initial preparation phase, you know, as you're getting ready for your implementation. You definitely want to do some discovery work, uh, actually some business analysis of the processes and uh, understand how those processes are going to map into the platform that you're trying to deploy. Uh, And then you want to design your solution, right? Because member data platforms are, they already have some built-in business logic to them, but they can also support custom workflows through configuration, right? So you want to plan how you're going to configure them Uh, And then you execute on on that work, right? And uh, in terms of configuration, you have workflow rules, workflow engine rules that you have to configure. But then more importantly, you want to set up the different data structures are gonna be there uh, prepared to collect all the data that is coming from disparate systems, right? So it requires uh, quite a bit of planning on getting those data structures right. You're not gonna necessarily get it 100% right on the first try but you want to have some due diligence to make sure that you're in good shape. And then from there you can move on to the integration phase, right, which is either you're using the uh, already built-in integrations, or the productized integrations, or you're planning for some custom integration that you're going to have to do with a system that may not be as easy to integrate with, or is is not a mainstream application. And, uh, and, And then finally you're going to phases like any other software implementation, you, you want to do testing, you want to make sure that you're covering all your different um, user journeys that you
2: set out to do and uh, make sure that you're meeting the business requirements. I think from a timeline standpoint, you, know, you can see probably a, a minimum of three months to deploy a member data platform and what you commonly see is easily up to 12 months. Depends on the, the size and scope and complexity of the data, um, the number of other software systems that it's being integrated with as well. And just the, the topic of integrations is a really important one when we talk about a member data of platform. The, part of the promise of the MDP is to make uh, integrations easier, right? Because when associations think about integrations, they usually don't have warm, fuzzy feelings thinking about the last time they tried to do an integration project, right? It can be intimidating. and They might not have had a great experience. And, you know, the, the role of the MDP is to take the pain out of those integrations. And that's done by... The member data platform providing pre-built integrations to other software that are commonly used in the association community. So part of the role of the MDP is to be constantly building integrations and continually building an integration library of pre-built integrations so that, you know, it's, it's, it's really not painful at all. It's just configuration to connect systems together and get going. And it's been, you know, well tested and it's really part of the product at that point, that integration.
3: Another thing that perhaps is important to keep in mind when you're going through an implementation is doing an assessment of how mature the processes are on the association, because often when they're moving into a new system, associations tend to take that as an opportunity to revise their processes or adapt them to the new system that is coming into place, right? So depending on how mature they are in terms of that process, uh, it will have an effect on the timeline as well if they are trying to make decisions process-wise, let alone systems-wise.
1: That makes sense. So from a personnel standpoint, is it typically your IT team that is heading up the actual deployment and then is consultating in some way with other areas of the association? So you go to maybe your event management staff and you know get some explanation on how they use their specific tool, Go to the membership team and do that. Like, how? What does that look like? Is it? It seems like it's probably pretty all hands on deck, but it's probably led from an IT perspective because it sounds a little technical, but also plug and play at the same time. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm,
2: okay. So, yeah, yeah, I think the you know it's, it's it's probably not that dissimilar from you know many associations have been through uh, an AMS deployment, right? Right, and it's just not that dissimilar. There are okay. a lot of similarities there now. Often, depending on the size of the organization, we will see that IT often plays a lead role. If there is an IT department and if there's an IT staff, they often will be leading the charge on a system like this because they often um, you know, are in charge of data and kind of uh, maintaining that data. The membership team are usually very, very closely involved, though, because at the end of the day, the system is about holding membership data mm-hmm. and the membership team typically is the owner really of the membership data and really understand it at a very, very detailed level. So it's kind of IT and membership are kind of the the primaries. And then to your point, all the other groups across the organization typically are involved in some level, even if it's that, well, we're already, maybe the events team is already using a very robust event platform and they're very happy with it. And the, the, the part of the implementation that impacts them is just connecting that event platform to the member data platform. And having a, an understanding of, okay, how are these two systems going to work together? But then the event team will still keep using their event platform and mm-hmm. carry on. There's just going to be some synchronization of data probably happening to make their lives easier, right? So now the event team knows they have good trusted data in their event system. Right.
0: And I imagine learning how to use the analytics and the visualizations that come with it so that mm-hmm. they can improve their future events. I would think they view... very interested in getting into that aspect of the system.
2: Yeah, absolutely, for sure, because, you know, once deployed, the MDP is starting to receive this rich data from these other platforms, right? So it does allow you to then start to really dive deeper from a data standpoint and to get intelligence out of the data and to understand, you know, to take that behavioral and transactional data and start to visualize it and make, you know, use it to make informed decisions,
1: yeah. So we're here at a s a Tech, and it is technology, everything, everywhere, the discussions, everything is focused around technology. As we know, not all associations are the perfect fit for every technology. In fact, I would argue it's hard to find a very perfect technology for your association. But what makes an association ready for a member data platform, and who might not be ready mm-hmm. just yet?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll start, and then one you can jump in with some thoughts as well. Sure. Like I think that I think for starters, I think you know when you look at the uh, the 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 world of associations, there's different sizes of organizations. So I think a good first way to approach that question is to look at well, who typically um, is the best fit overall for a member data platform? And I think what we find is that small staff associations tend to be you know best suited for the all-in-one AMS that. You know, where there's, you know, there's a lot of functionality within the one product, uh, which has its challenges, but for a, a small staff organization, that can be beneficial.
1: Right. You know?
2: Where we see the member data platform having really its place is as you've got the size of organizations and you start having people in functional roles, right, you've got somebody managing your events or a department, or you've got marketing people, you've got advocacy people, and those people want to use best-in-class software, to get their jobs. set. That's where the member data platform really has its best fit, coming back to that, breaking down those data silos between those systems. So in general, that's where we see the MVP of having a very strong fit. Beyond that, really, it's you know the uh, organizations who are using a lot of other tools in their day-to-day lives are, tend to be the strongest fit for a member data platform if they're already using something for managing a conference, um, if their marketing staff are already using a suite of tools for their marketing. And, and so on and so on, Already have an LMS, right? right? So if you, if you feel the, the need to connect data across all these systems, that's a really good use case for an MDP to come in and start solving problems. But, you know, there's other things as well on that are, Yeah, are, so you know, I think
3: that it's, um, it's the same type of things that we've been discussing already about if you want to report on data that is, uh, you know, distributed among multiple systems, and uh, and every time you want to do that, it's a struggle like you you have to create separate reports and consolidate all of that data and export uh, in an Excel report that you can then uh, present to the business side, for example, right So every time you're having you know these situations where you have to go to multiple systems to do that, it means that you're already that in that you know maturity level where uh, you can benefit from a member data platform and then in terms of whether you're ready to actually adopt it, I would say that, you know, you want to first get some buy-in from uh, leadership in terms of you know, practical terms, you know, if you want to move forward with this. Uh, so you kind of want to identify who are the key decision-makers uh, within your organization that, you know, you want to educate them in what problems are going to be solved by adopting this uh, type of solution. And then gather, st- gather feedback as well from uh, frontline staff about the problems that they're facing because they are in this type of ecosystem where they are data silos, right? And then build business cases for solving those problems.
0: Yesterday, uh, ASE held their Next Now forum for the first time. And during one panel with Naylor and a couple other tech companies, they put forth a few commitments to association customers um, and other consumers of integration software, promising to support things like open apis example code developer level support canned integrations um can you explain these commitments more what do these commitments mean for the future of innovation and software and what do they mean for the future of of better data outcomes for associations
2: yeah for sure yeah we took part in the session yesterday and it was great because there was, there was so much talk around integrations and the importance of integrations. And that wasn't the, necessarily the only topic that was being discussed, but it kept coming up over and over again. And the, it, it's such an important discussion because even for associations that are using an all-in-one AMS, they still need other software tools, right? The, the days of an organization just using one tool to do everything, those days are gone, right? So integration is just a reality. And every software company should be adapting and adopting you know, to modern standards. And so is you know, I think as, you know, from our perspective, being a, a platform that's built for integration, it was, it was really great to hear all this discussion and a commitment from vendors, uh, other software vendors to take integration seriously um, and to start following standards because there are standards. Um, and it's been part of the, pro- the challenge with the association technology market space for, for many years is that, um, organizations haven't followed standards, and so it's 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 refreshing to hear that um, organizations like Mailer and some of the other software vendors that were there were talking about this commitment to start standardizing. So there's the standardizing, and there's just you know following best practices and actually having APIs available, supporting single sign-on. Like there's some some baseline things that um, that software companies should be doing, but you know, it's not always easy to do, right? And it's, it, can, it can certainly be challenging for software companies to, to make that commitment mm-hmm. um, and actually see it through. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I think there are certain
3: interests. I think the topic of having fear of, you know, going the integration way and then making it easier for your customers to move away from your platform, right? So I think that has been there for a few years in the past, But one thing that we took away from yesterday's session was the fact that, you know, well, that's not a good business model to retain your customers, right? You you definitely want to allow them to to, uh, have flexibility with the ecosystem and the landscape of technology that they have. And that's what we heard from the audience as well, is that, you know, they they don't, they're not asking for integration capabilities because they want to make it easy to move and jump around from one vendor to the other. They just want to make it easier for their members to have a unified experience, right, which is again a very uh, positive message to hear about, and that's what we focus
2: on as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the one of the challenges, especially for um, AMS vendors, is that AMSs are, you know, by by design, they're very large software systems, right? So you you have a product development teams that are already very very busy. Right? They're already dealing with a lot of requests because they've got a lot of modules and a lot of different things to support. So, you know, when you're when you're now adding in, well, you also have to have a very robust API so that we can integrate with you effectively. You need to support single sign-on. You need to do these things. You need to have webhooks and and all of these more modern things that you would expect software to have. It's it's a it's it's another thing to add, right? So it's it's a it takes a very serious commitment. And I think the last point there is just that it's not just a commitment to. Build it it's you know it's a commitment to maintain it because right. uh, software like most things you can't just build it you have to maintain it and you have to treat it as part of your product and as part of your product roadmap and continue to evolve it and build it and also look at the other um, software systems that you're integrating with um, and understand what they're doing so that you can continue improving your integration with that system. So it, it takes a lot of collaboration and it takes a lot of, a, a real true commitment. Um, so I think from our perspective is refreshing, take your organizations and software companies talking about it and taking it seriously. And uh, and hopefully we you know absolutely will, will see that through uh, or at least a strong push to see that through in 2020. And one, one point that wasn't brought up yesterday that I thought is important
3: for associations to, to know is when when you're looking at either a member data platform vendor or whatever other type of vendor for that matter, is what to look for, right? What to look for when you're assessing them. Definitely they need to be able to meet your business needs from a user experience and the capabilities of the platform. But then from a technology side of things, you. You want to look for basically four things. You want to make sure that they have a robust API. That that was a lot of the focus point of yesterday's conversation. It needs to be easy to use. Uh, It needs to be built on standard protocols. Uh, You have to have good coverage of the API. Sometimes they will have limited amount of actions that you can take through the API compared to the rest of the platform. And then you want it to be flexible, right? You need to, yes, have certain business rules in place, but then you, you need to be able to make those business rules work for you. And then the scalability, right? It needs to be able to perform under stress, uh, under, uh, you know, real-time conditions, and then the integrity of the data, you know? You need to make sure that there's sufficient um, backup mechanisms and that your data is not gonna get lost and you have to have considerations of where your data is stored uh, for, you know, complying with regulatory bo- bodies or, or other
2: um, agencies, yeah good point. Yeah. And we get, like, we, we take integration very, very seriously because it's at the heart of our of right. data. Right. <laughs> um, to the extent that we actually, the entire software platform has been built as an API. So it's built using a software approach called API first. So it just means literally you know, when Juan talks about coverage and how many actions you can do, um, Wicket's coverage is 100%. Like every single thing you can do in Wicket can be done via its API. I see. So it's, it's the, this, this software approach, it's, a, it's very, very modern, right? It just means you can, you know, you can you really truly can do a lot via integration with a number data platform.
1: Yeah, and we've seen this a lot in B2C. And I know as a consumer, it makes my life easier mm-hmm. when all of these things I use so beautifully connect. And the association space, it's its not only been like the wild, wild west, but it's also just been a little behind. So I think it's probably refreshing for members to hear that these technology vendors are, are getting more serious about integrating and making life a little easier. Because, you know, we're familiar with the AMS space and now the MDP space. And people like to stick with the devil they know because sometimes these technology Changes can be seem so daunting and seem like such a mountain to climb. It's like I'll just I'll just keep doing it this extra hard way just to not have to fight the battle when really, you know, it's a it's a short term learning curve for hopefully making your life much easier in the long term and delivering a much better sorry member experience. For
2: sure. The association in the association industry. You know, isn't one that's known for being risk averse and to be early adopters of systems. And right. I think that you know you can look outside of the Association world to see what's happening. To your point, um, it's why platforms like customer data platforms exist, and they've existed for quite some time now. Um, In the private sector, and so this concept of the member data platform coming to associations, while it's new in in its availability, it's not new in theory or in practice in the private sector. So there's an opportunity for associations to start really modernizing how they think about technology and data by taking this approach.
0: Well, thanks so much for talking with us today. We really appreciate it. This has been a great introduction to... Member Data Platforms and and Integrated Software and um, hope we can speak with you guys again soon.
2: Great, thank you. Thanks Thanks for having us.
0: It sounds like Member Data Platforms could be a useful tool for many associations, especially larger ones with oceans of data to organize and analyze.
1: Oh, for sure. And I appreciate that software companies like Wicket are committing to better supporting association customers in specific ways like Jeff and Juan mentioned. More variety of integrations, better developer support, more canned integrations, and public example code.
0: And it's nice that they're going to collaborate on development standards, so associations can better know what to expect when they invest in a software platform.
1: Agreed. Thank you Juan and Jeff for speaking with us and helping us share about member data platforms. If you have an idea for our podcast, please send us a note. You can reach us by email at associationadvisor at naileronline.com. And our Twitter handle is at Asos advisor. That's A-S-S-O-C-A-D-V-I-S-E-R. If you'd rather stay behind the scenes, but want to know more about a certain topic, submit your ideas to us and we'll work your topic into our lineup. Our email address again is associationadvisor at nayloronline.com.
0: Thank you to Naylor Association Solutions for sponsoring this podcast. Visit naylor.com to learn how your association can achieve more with Naylor. Thanks for listening. Until next time.